0: What's up, gentlemen? Before we begin, a friendly reminder that this podcast is not associated with any church, school, or calling body, and nothing we say here is meant to be perceived as the official doctrine, teaching, or theology of any church, school, or calling body. We're a bunch of dudes who love Jesus. We love talking about Jesus, and this is where we air out our thoughts, so don't take it as much more than that. I hope that this is edifying for you. Let's get started with the show. Today's guest is Mr. Eric McGathy. Now, Eric He's a really cool dude. Um, He made the acquaintance of Kostia, who you guys all know if you listen to the broadcasts, um, while he was up here doing some studying, and uh, Kostia fell in love with him right away. He's a great dude, uh, and he's been a blessing to all of us since then. So I'm really cool and excited to introduce um, Eric to you guys. He's doing all kinds of things. He's a musician. He's doing work in a church, he's coaching, he does nutrition coaching, all kinds of stuff, and we're going to talk about all that in the podcast today, so I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Um, Before we get started here, big shout out to anybody who's been supporting the podcast. Thank you for doing so. Some of you guys are just supporting with your prayers, and it's exactly what we need. Um, Keep praying for me, keep praying for the podcast, keep praying for the ministry, keep praying that we have a reemergence of men in the Western world here, um, and that we all follow out our calling as men after God's own heart. If you've been supporting the show financially, that's awesome, too. You can do that in a couple of different ways. You can get us on Patreon and make monthly donations. You can buy t-shirts on the Gird Up website, and they're dope t-shirts, and the adult sizes are going going quickly. So if you want an adult size, you've got to get those soon. Um, And then you can also go on our website and buy us a $5 cup of coffee. All those links are down below. Man, it's such a blessing to be doing what I'm doing. I can't thank God enough for you. I pray for you guys every day. I simply ask that you pray for me in return thank you to those of you who have been donating on the podcast and thanks for people like Eric um, and Ben Lunston and a couple other people who just been reaching out to me and being uh, an absolute blessing on my life and on my heart you guys are awesome I uh, thank God for you keep being a blessing to me and to people around us oh boy two things to talk about first you need to sign up for the gird up collegiate men's retreat it's gonna be at Camp Philip It's going to happen November 12th to the 14th, okay? The heavy work's going to happen on November 13th, uh, but we'll be there the evening of the 12th to the morning of the 14th. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. So make sure you click on the links below here and go sign up for the Collegiate Men's Retreat. Spots are going to fill up fast, so make sure you sign up now so that you have your spot secure. Go do that, fellas. It's going to be awesome. We want to see you there. Um. Oh, and shout out to Nate Hensler for making awesome beard oil. My beard always smells amazing and I never have beard flakes and that's because I use beard oil in my beard. I put some beard oil in, I brush it out, make it look all nice and cool, keep it trimmed and uh, I don't have flakes, it doesn't get itchy. I have a good beard because I take good care of it and I use Nate's products. You can find his products at Brigger Beard General. Um, you can find that at uh, sites.google.com forward slash Brigger General or look him up on Facebook. The dude is awesome, making great beard products, and he's a wonderful man after God's own heart. I don't think I have anything else, so let's pray quick here and get started with the show. Heavenly Father, you are good. you for bringing us together again as men, for helping us to build a community of men who are actively chasing after you and doing the work that it takes to be men after your own heart. We pray that you continue to pour into our hearts and into our minds, fill us with the Spirit, that we might reflect your glory in everything that we do, Lord. <sighs> Let us use today because it is a gift from you. In your name we pray. Amen. After the podcast intro here, you're going to hear from Eric McGathy on the Gird Up Podcast. Here we go. You are listening to The Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. All right, special guest, Mr. Eric McGathy today. What's up, Eric?
1: How's it going, Charlie?
0: Oh, it's great, brother. It's great. I'm glad to have you on the show, too. I'm excited to connect with you.
1: Yeah, thanks. I'm excited, too. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: and well, this is something I've been I've been uh, wanting to uh, get into myself, We just kind of launched a mentor, well, not really life coaching, but like a mentoring program a little bit um, with Gert Up here. Um, and it's also something that kind has been laid on my heart recently, too, is the value of getting coaching for myself. Uh, so I'm really interested to hear what you have, like on all fronts, um, what you do, how you do it, and uh, the value it provides to here, specifically men. Obviously, you work with more than like, well, I guess there isn't a whole lot more than just men. There's men and women, right? Uh, but you work with them both. Um, but here, we're obviously specifically talking to men. So I'm, I'm pumped to have you on, man. I' Glad to have you.
1: Yeah, yeah, this will be great. All right. So
0: um, first of all, why don't you just tell us who you are here? Who is Eric McGathey?
1: Uh Well, you know, there are all different aspects to that question. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'll give you kind of the rundown. I grew up in Crete, Illinois, uh, which I guess for like the Wells listeners, that's like infamous a little bit. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I grew up in the Wells whole life uh, through grade school, high school. I went to WLC studied music, um, played sports my whole life. Uh, I loved that. So I played soccer at WLC, then got into CrossFit, uh, been coaching that for about 10 years. Um, and along the way, along with coaching in the gym, uh, you know, coaching classes, group classes, uh, I started shifting into nutrition and doing more one-on-one coaching and now that's really what I focus on is uh, one-on-one coaching online uh, where I can reach people anytime, anywhere. <laughs> um, and really going deep into uh, not just like what are you eating, are you exercising, but like what are the, the core issues and really like what are your core values, your core um, priorities and your identity. And then how do you shape your life to align with those things? Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at now. And on top of that, I also uh, am part-time with our church. So I do all of the music and youth group, um, and I'm currently in the staff ministry program through MLC.
0: Awesome. So you yeah. got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a family on top of that too, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. I got a wife and uh, three kids. We just had our third uh, about seven and a half weeks ago. Yeah. So well, I'm sure sleep as well. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: One of my, uh, one of the other, my other buddies here, uh, Nick Cressman is on the show all the time and they just had their second son there. So shout out to them. Um, very, very, very new, new baby there. And Heather did good because he doesn't look like Nick at all. So he has a chance of being a handsome dude eventually, you know? So, all right, cool. So you've got you've got a lot going on, a lot to juggle. I, first, I want to talk a little bit about CrossFit. Like, how would you get into CrossFit?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so my brother, he – well, he was a fireman. He was into powerlifting. And then somehow we, like, we got into parkour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so then we're like watching videos, you know, this is, I don't know, 2009, maybe 2010. Um, So we're watching videos of people doing parkour and trying to do all these sweet moves. And uh, if you Googled parkour at the time, it would take you to CrossFit.com, which had like a tab for parkour training Um, and the website, they still do it. They have free workouts. It's like three days on one rest day. Um, you can just follow the workouts. So he started doing that and he sent me the website and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I do one every once in a while, but he was like sticking with it. And he went from powerlifting and being, you know, we're about the same height. Uh, and he was probably, I don't even know, probably a hundred pounds heavier than I was, uh, to like leaning way down and starting to get fast and like almost be able to catch me. And I'm like, all right, if, <laughs> If now he's closing in on me on the speed, I'm gonna have to get into this so that so I can stay faster than he is. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I found it. And then you know we would we were both following all the workouts on the website and so we'd text each other like, hey, how'd you do on this workout? Um, so it kept that competitive edge going, especially that was right when I stopped playing college soccer. So it was a really nice transition from, um, like you know, playing competitive sports my whole life to now all of a sudden being out of it, and it's like now what do I do, right? And thankfully, CrossFit filled that gap, um, and filled that competitive spirit, <laughs> uh, as well as just like the health and fitness. Where I think a lot of guys get past that high school or college sports, and then it's nothing you know, for like a decade or two. And then, like, eh, maybe I'll play softball and, like, tear my ACL. <laughs> yeah. So th- thankfully, I found it right at that time um, and was able to make a smooth transition into a healthy post-competitive uh, athlete life.
0: Yeah, why, why? – so obviously – so we went through – my buddies and I did a bunch of CrossFit one year when there were three or four of us that were really trying to lean down for football. Like we were changing positions, um, mm-hmm. and you say that was, that was a big piece of it was leaning down and uh, being quicker and more athletic um, and more explosive, too, and um, we did that for for that purpose. Um, but kind of drifted away from it then, I just both out of utility, because then we were I mean, still football players, so still wanted to be as strong as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of served its turn and it kept going. Um, but then also, you know, it's, it's hard, <laughs> right? So uh, why There's all kinds of different ways you can compete? You know, you could be a bodybuilder, you could do powerlifting like your brother was, you know, Olympic lifting. There's all these different avenues to compete and, and do, you know, have that kind of an edge. Why stick with CrossFit?
1: uh probably because i am built for it i'd say <laughs> okay like you said it's hard there's a lot of those like um cardiovascular burners right like the 2 to 5 minute range or like those 40 minute chippers um and i had the the conditioning from soccer and you know i'm the right size <laughs> Uh especially back then. Now with the CrossFit games, like I mean you see the athletes now they're all like five ten and like two hundred and ten pounds. But at the time it was like five ten and hundred and sixty five to hundred and eighty pounds because the weights weren't super heavy right yet. So it was like I was like built for that. Um so it was fun because and I've always loved random challenges. You know, like with the Olympics going on right now, I was just telling someone when the Olympics were on, we would be as in like my brothers and I (laughs) would be doing like somersaults and handstands and stuff and walking on our hands in the living room, uh, trying to learn all of the all the moves that they're doing. Um, And like I said, like got into parkour, some rock climbing, like all kinds of random things. Um, So, yeah, I just I love the. The variety and i love random new challenges and things to try and you know crossfit it's different from what was previously around of like you know back and buys, like body split days where you right. do this for a month or two like it's always different every day and even if you're using more or less the same whatever like 20 movements you're mixing them up in different ways all the time um So, yeah, I just love that. (laughs) And I love, like, hardcore. Like, oh, man, I did this. Like, (laughs) I'm working so much harder than everyone else because I'm doing CrossFit. And that mentality appealed to me. I'm over it at this point. That mentality. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hopefully a little bit older and wiser. Uh, But, yeah, at the time, (laughs) I was like, look, I can rip my hands doing so many (laughs) pull-ups. Yep. Yeah, look how tough I am, and then the guy
0: yeah. in across the room is going, "Yeah, but you can't do any pull-ups tomorrow." So, <laughs> right,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about um, whatever you choose, like all of those, if you take them to you know a, I don't know what to call it, to a competitive level, maybe is the right word or way to put that. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be hard. They're all going to suck. Um, yeah. but you kind of have to choose your suck, you know. So, like powerlifters would rather, you know, put on heavy weight. And, uh, it's a far more of a, like, it takes two or three days to recover and you, know, you got to eat like crazy. You're going to have a much higher, um, like, well, body weight. And then also uh, your, your body composition is going to be vastly different. Like all those types of things. Right. And then bodybuilders, yeah. you're sacrificing strength and mobility to look a certain way. You know, like it's all, it's all challenging. It all sucks. And you got to kind of choose your suck. So it's kind yeah. of a, Yeah. For sure. And, and you said, it, if it fits particularly, like it sounds like it fit you very, very well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, you got to find that, that niche and stick to it. Otherwise, because if it's not something you enjoy, you're not going to do
1: it. Exactly. Yeah, that's why, I mean, I, you know, back then it was like everyone should be doing CrossFit. <laughs> but, you know, not everyone enjoys doing CrossFit. <laughs> so, yeah, find. I think everyone can benefit from it um that doesn't mean everyone will enjoy it so find the stuff you'll enjoy and that you'll do consistently and just do that it's anything is better than nothing so find yeah. anything that you enjoy doing
0: well and there's a piece of it too where um like they crossfit seems to take more abuse on this end than a lot of other modes of exercise if you will Um, but there's also the ability to do it well right and, and mm-hmm. crossfit CrossFit tends to really take a beating on that. And and there are some coaches that, like, you know, there are boxes and coaches and things where they focus far more on, uh, you know, moving things fast than about moving them the right way. And then people do get hurt. But the same thing happens with – body. I mean, watching enough bodybuilding videos, you're going to see guys tearing their pecs and ripping their biceps off and all that, right? And yeah. powerlifting, you see guys falling over with, you know, 800 pounds on their back. You know, oh, it, I mean, it's true to, about anything.
1: Go to your local 5k and ask how many people yeah. have splints, have, um, uh, like hairline fractures in their feet and their legs. How many people have torn things? How many people have torn their AC, or ACLs or their Achilles? You know, Oh, I have bad knees. I have bad back. I'm like, <laughs> but no one's harping on running.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and then like even just think about the random person running down the street, what percentage of people going for a jog every day look like they're just miserable, (laughs) you know, like just hate every second of it. And they do it because they think it's the most like in their brains, it's the thing to do to be healthy. And it won't really even consider, this is obviously a gross generalization, but just really won't even consider any other options because this is the healthy thing to do, um, and we all get stuck in those modes, right? So, like bodybuilders again, how many how many guys used to bodybuild and now they're, you know, two hundred fifty pounds, still quote unquote bodybuilding and not healthy in any way, shape, or form, you know? And uh, yeah, it's the uh, it's just, we we get off the off the wagon in so many different directions. I guess is <laughs> what I'm trying to say. All right, all right. Um, so you've taken a shift here into like nutrition and. Uh, more one-on-one coaching. Why'd you make that shift?
1: Uh, So I had been coaching in CrossFit gyms for a while, uh, probably like five years or six years. And uh, I mean, there were people who had been there for three or four years who came in four or five days a week. They're crushing it, getting stronger, getting faster, but did not see the body composition change that they're looking for. Um, So that's when I was like, you know what? Like, what are you eating? <laughs> you know, that's, that's the biggest thing where, you know, people will start going to the gym. They're willing to do that. Um, but making the change in the kitchen tends to be a much more difficult change. Um, so I wanted to get deeper into that to help people get the actual results that they were looking for. So I went and found, uh, at the time I found Precision Nutrition. Uh, which is an awesome company. They do coaching, and they also do certifications for coaches. So I went through their level one and started coaching people not very well. (laughs) Uh, And then I went through their level two, which is like a year-long mentorship. Um, The level one really – it's essentially like a college class on um, biology and uh, like nutritional science. And then the level two is really a master class on psychology, change psychology. So that gets deep into the head game of like, why, you know, why is it so difficult to, to make a change to what you're eating? You know, these habits, what's really impacting it? And a lot of times it's not the food, you know, it's like family stress, work stress, uh, the environment around you. You know, how have you learned to shop? How have you learned to eat? Um, Who are the people around you and how do they eat? You know, how do all of these things affect you? Um, It's much more mental than we like to think. (laughs) You know, uh, we like to think that we have total control over what we do and what we eat. And the reality is so much of it is subconscious. um, So we don't realize why we're doing what we're doing. We don't realize why it's so hard to make that change stick, but once you develop the awareness around it, all of a sudden you get to make decisions <laughs> yourself instead of your subconscious doing it. Um, so yeah, that that has been like a, that's been a huge shift for me in my mindset around how I eat and around how I coach, and um, really even you know how you think about. Um, you know, people's health and someone who's overweight and struggling and trying to make a change. You know, it's, it's not that they're a failure. (laughs) There's just so many aspects around it. Um, so yeah, going through that process of learning all of those, um, all those different factors and how to interact with them and how to help people work through those, uh, that has been a, just a huge change for me. Um, and a huge change for clients and the people that I work with.
0: (laughs) It was this like, to go into that, was that more like purely like uh, just like an opportunity to to do something for a living or like why is it that you do what you do?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, it's something that I really enjoyed. I kind of stumbled into, um, I mean, (laughs) looking back at the path that I've been on and that my wife and I've been on. It is such a winding road. They got had on, had us on. Um, it, it's kind of bizarre, but uh, you know, I just started doing CrossFit. A couple people in the gym, a couple friends at college wanted to join in. So I started and I was like, okay, I'm not a coach, but you can do it with me. But then I started like filling that coach role and then, um, you know, we like in a very long story of twisting events, we ended up in Colorado and I had nothing to do. And so I started coaching CrossFit gyms. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and that kind of brought me through that whole process. Um, but yeah, like wanting to see people improve, just having that lifelong experience of being in sports, um, my especially my mom was totally into like healthy eating um, like low sugar, low grain, lots of veggies. Um, She was doing that like back in the seventies. So we were kind of ahead of the curve as a family. I think we were taking like fish oil before there was fish oil that tasted good. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I just had that whole background and Um, Like seeing the opportunity to do that for a living is very appealing. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Well, you say and and, uh, you'll hear people say things like, you know, follow opportunity and let your and take your passion with you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's exactly what it sounds like to me is, you know, following opportunities and looking around saying, how can I make this my own or how can I how can I serve here? What can I do? You know, and even looking at yourself and saying, what skills and abilities do I have that can make make this work? I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to find like the dream career, or the dream path or the job or whatever that, you know, especially right away. Like a lot of college kids have this picture in their mind of what they want to be. And they try mm-hmm. and be that the moment they walk out of college um, or, you know, whatever, whatever. Everybody has like their their benchmark of when they're going to, you know, become the person they want to become, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's encouraging for me to hear your story and this idea of, you know, <laughs> I needed a job and I like doing this. So I figured maybe I'll try this and, and see the way, you know, from a Christian perspective, to see the way the Lord works that out in your life. But even just from like a personal perspective of, you know, you love what you do um, and you got you didn't necessarily plan it out as like, hey, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Did you study?
1: What did you study in college? Music theory and composition. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Yep. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's kind of cool. funny though. I mean, um, at the time, it didn't occur to me that like that this was unique. But you know, the church I grew up in, when I was maybe in like junior high, started shifting toward like contemporary services. So I started playing guitar in church and played all through high school. Then went to college, not really sure what I was going to do, but ended up doing music. Um, And then it was kind of on the back burner for a while. Once we moved to Colorado, I was doing all the coaching. Um, And then out of nowhere, a mutual friend was like, hey, this pastor is starting a new church like 40 minutes away and he needs someone to do the music. And I was like, oh, not for me. <laughs> um, I But I eventually got talked into it. I told him I'd do it for six months until they found someone else. And that was like, I don't know, six, almost seven years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a period where I thought studying music was a massive waste. And now I'm using it every week. <laughs> putting music together for church. Um, so yeah, all of these things, they just tie together, you know?
0: Yeah. Why were you originally resistant to doing that?
1: Um, I, well, for one thing, I did not feel qualified to do it, which eventually talking with a few people, I realized I'm uniquely qualified to do this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and i mean we had a church less than a mile away that we were going to uh and i didn't have any responsibilities there <laughs> i could just go to church i was like man this is going to be a lot of work um so yeah i i did not see myself as the right person for that role and now turns out uh i'm a pretty good fit for the role
0: <laughs> yeah so you guys do mostly contemporary music?
1: Um I'd say in a contemporary style. Yeah. I mean in we a contemporary use, style. Yeah, we use guitar, drums, keyboard, bass. Um but we do a blend of you know, some songs you might hear on the radio and a lot of hymns that I've just arranged for our musicians.
0: Yeah. Okay. Why do you do it that way?
1: Well, we have mainly to serve the people that we're trying to serve. Uh like we do have a lot of um people who grew up in the church, like lifelong church goers who appreciate hymns, uh stuff that they recognize and they're familiar with. Not to mention <laughs> all of the traditional hymns, I shouldn't say all, but many of the traditional hymns, the ones that we use, um do an excellent job of preaching the gospel. <laughs> uh, tip, oftentimes a better job than newer songs. Um, but there are some new songs that are more explicit with the gospel, and you know, we use those too. Yeah,
0: so,
1: yeah. when you say the people the you're trying
0: to serve, mm-hmm. yeah, what what demographic are you trying to reach?
1: Uh, so where we are, it is say like. Upper working class. So there's a lot of, um, actually, there's a lot of, like, police. There's a lot of oil and gas workers. um, So a lot of families, a lot of young families. So people who are, who maybe were in the church through, like, school but haven't been to church for a long time. um, A lot of transplants. People who have moved out to Colorado um, with their family. Um, Because this is what I think we're in, it's called Carbon Valley. So it's really three towns. And I think two of the three are in like the top 10 safest towns in the state or in the country. They're like ranked way up there all the time. Best places (laughs) to live um, for families and things like that. So really that demographic of, you know, people who maybe are familiar with, some things in the church, they might remember the Lord's Prayer and remember some hymns, but you know, maybe are not doctrinally sound. You know, they're used to seeing the mega churches. Um, maybe they've gone to them a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's that's the main main demographic that we're serving right now.
0: How does the, how does the music help you reach them?
1: Um, So (laughs) I've heard it said that, you know, like a visitor walking into a church, uh, if they are not familiar with organs, then they might hear that and think like, oh, it sounds like Dracula, you know, or Phantom (laughs) of the Opera. (laughs) Because that's their reference point. Um, So, using music that sounds familiar to them, that they um, are kind of used to hearing, something that sounds similar to what they would listen to on their own. Um, you know, I mean, imagine taking a church organ to, to an African congregation, <laughs> you know? you be like, whoa, what's that? Because they're not used to hearing it. And, I mean, the same goes around here, like, in the U.S., we're we're essentially a post-Christian culture now. So the majority of people are not used to listening to an organ all the time. Um, or, you know, like chanting songs, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty out of the box. Um, so helping people feel comfortable when they come in, like, I think that the music is one way to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And well, one of the other things that I think often gets, I don't know, maybe just gets weird in churches in regards to music in particular is, well, actually kind of in anything, but especially music, it seems like, is instead of looking around the church and saying, okay, what can we do well or what do we want to do really well? Um, we look around and say, all right, this is what churches do. Let's do it you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happens with music a lot, both on both sides of the spectrum, you'll have a congregation that has like phenomenal organists. And frankly, like you're absolutely right. When you talk about, you know, people coming in from the outside, it sounds like Dracula or Phantom of the opera or something, unless it's really, really, really well done. And you almost don't even, you know, like people appreciate quality. Like you can go to an art museum and enjoy an art museum. even if you're not an artist and don't know what you're looking at, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do something really, really, really well, it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to be immediately comfortable, but it's going to be easier to appreciate it and understand it and be okay with it if it's done really well. So you have churches that have, you know, like three or four guys that are phenomenal, you know, guitar players, drummers, you know, so on and so forth. I know of one particular congregation that literally has two guys who tour, like they're substitutes on rock and country bands. So like if the the guitar player can't, from the country band can't go on a certain tour or can't be at a certain show or whatever, they'll learn the book in a couple of days and then go out there and play. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't do music in their congregations. They've never been asked to, they don't do it. And there's weeks where in that particular congregation, they have to literally play a recording of a hymn because they don't have an organist who's there to play. And that always makes me scratch my head. Like you could do this so well. And I think we lose that sometimes, too, as churches um, where like you guys as a startup, it sounds like uh, as a new church said, all right, this is what we want to do really well. And we're going to find the people to do it really well Uh, for a more established congregation. It might look more like, you know, looking around a congregation saying, all right, what unique talents and abilities do we have um, in regards to music that we can do really, really well? I think that's just as much a part of it as anything else is. Um, and I would guess, like, if you did music composition, you probably have the ability to, you know, if they wanted to go a more traditional route, you could do that. Is that uh, correct to assume? We
1: could. Uh, I'm not particularly great at keyboard. I mean, so right now we're just in the final, I don't know, four to six weeks of finishing up our building. Um, oh, so okay. i in a grade school gym. Or renting another church, or outside um, for our entire existence. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like trying to do organ, or you know, we could, you could just lead with just piano playing straight out of the hymnal. You know, yeah, we could be doing that. Um, but I mean, like you said, we talk about doing things with excellence, and I think for one thing, excellence is relative. Yep. Um, <laughs> So you know, if you are doing the absolute best that you can do, people notice, right? If you're doing the the minimum that you need to do, people will also notice. So even if even if your best is not professional, like people will still recognize, like, oh, they are like they're really working on this, you know. Um, and so we are doing what, like I said, one, what as we As we made decisions, uh what we thought would be most um, you know remove the most barriers <laughs> to the people we're trying to reach, um and what we can do with excellence, and so this is what we do, yeah, that's awesome,
0: yeah, yeah, I didn't, I've told I didn't
1: people. I know you did that, so oh yeah. go ahead um I've told people people who have asked you know how do we get more kids? interested in learning organ and that's exactly what i told him it's like play the organ really well (laughs) yeah i mean you have an entire orchestra (laughs) at your fingertips um but unfortunately that's not what you hear all the time and i know like it takes work it takes practice um but it is such an awesome instrument i would be sad to see it totally out of use you know um, I just want to see people doing whatever they're doing as well as they can.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Okay. Back to nutrition and things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what, uh, first of all, what's the value in, you talked to this a little bit, um, what's the value in finding a coach or a nutritionist, um, to help you, you know, well, I, I, yeah, I'll let you talk to it. What is the, uh, what's the value?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, so, you know, learning what you don't know, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that you, you know, I have worked with plenty of people who could tell you everything you would ever want to know about nutrition and macros. And here's what you should be eating versus what you shouldn't. And they struggle to actually do it. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And so getting clear about yourself is difficult without that like third party outside view. So just having that other that second set of eyes really helps to get an objective view of yourself. And you can do that. That's something that uh, kind of like a practice that I go through with clients is, you know, put on your coach hat. So you're you're struggling with this thing. Imagine that someone came to you with that same problem. What would you tell them if you're their coach? <laughs> you know. Um, but it really it does develop that that awareness and that ability to like kind of step back from your own situation and look at it objectively. Um, and I mean, there are things that you might just not know. Like I said, the um, environmental things with family like family members who might be you know quote-unquote sabotaging <laughs> your your progress um, and recognize you know friends and coworkers and all kinds of things um, again just having another set of eyes who is there to hold you accountable and to guide you in the direction that you want to go especially when you're trying to go in a different direction.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. What do you see is usually, is there like a trend that you see um, as far as like what it is that, that keeps people from, from meeting their goals Cause you said, like you said, the information's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, in theory, you could just read the information and go do it. Right. Um, but we aren't. So do you see trends in what keeps people from meeting their goals? Um,
1: This is kind of like a nebulous answer. I would say clarity. Um, Oftentimes, we're not super clear about what we actually want. And we're not super clear about um, what it actually takes to to reach that. Right. So um, oftentimes, people have an idea of what they don't want. (laughs) <laughs> a very good idea of I'm sick of feeling this way. I'm, uh, I'm sick of people looking at me. I'm sick of the jokes that my brother tells, like <laughs> whatever it is, um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, okay, well you don't want that. You can't really just run away from that. Like you have to run towards something. So what is it that you actually want? And getting super clear on that, like what specifically, um, And that too, um, can take some work because a lot of times say, well, I want to lose some weight. Okay. Why do you want to lose weight? Uh, well, because I, like I said, (laughs) because I want to look better. Why do you want to look better? And maybe you get down to, well, um, I don't know. My mom always said, always called me big boy (laughs) and I don't want to be a big boy. Right are you know it's like this anxiety or um, well yeah yeah like there are typically deeper things that you're looking for of I want to feel confident. I want to feel um, worthy of, of love. you know And so now you can actually work toward two things. Now you can focus on the, the practical steps of making the physical changes. And work on those like mental and emotional and like identity issues where now you're mentally you're prepared to make that change, right? And so then that's where the clarity on what it's going to cost comes in because (laughs) uh, you're, you're going to have to give up some things, you know, like it's not all wins when you reach your goal. Like, there is cost. And if you aren't upfront about that, then as soon as it starts to get hard and as soon as you start to see that cost, then you're going to want to go back to what you're comfortable with. But if you're clear about, like, okay, here's actually what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to um, stop doing these things, even though, uh, whatever, it's a coping mechanism. It helps me deal with stress. Okay, well, we're going to have to find new ways of managing stress. Right, um, and so you start to get clear about some of these costs, so that when they show up, you are, you know, you're ready for it, and you've already made the decision of like, yep, I'm willing to pay that cost to get this goal, which is awesome. Or <laughs> maybe you decide that is something that I'm not willing to give up. Cool, let's adjust your goal a little bit to to match up you know, where you want to get to, or what you're willing to, to give up to get to that goal. So clarity. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that lends
0: itself to, I've, I've, I've heard all kinds of people. It's usually all the gurus, right? They'll say things like, you know, change won't happen until staying the same hurts more than change does. Right. Um, And uh, that doesn't have to be true. (laughs) Like you said, when you have that that clarity you've got that picture of where you want to go now it's just figuring out how to get there it doesn't have to be you know and you you kind of alluded to this when you're talking about uh, bringing people into church too is you know you don't you shouldn't have to go into crisis um as a well and even actually you actually even more talked about it when you're talking about coming out of like college and athletic or high school or college athletics You shouldn't have to get into this like crisis of I haven't done anything for 10 years and now I tore my ACL and now I have to rehab. And so I'm in shape again, kind of by default. Mm -hmm. Like you shouldn't have to go through some giant traumatic experience in order to make that lifestyle change. And you shouldn't have to, you know, have some crisis in your life that finally forces you back into church and then you stay there until you finally get comfortable or whatever it might be. Right. It's it's. It's finding the why, you know, it's in clarity of it, and then walking out the process to getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, like I said, I see that as a theme through everything you've talked about so far is, you know, that, that clarity is exactly what you're talking about. Even the clarity, um, the clarity of, you know, what do I want? Forget about the the nutrition for a second. It's what do I want out of life as a whole? And the nutrition obviously is going to play into a role, a role into that. And I would guess that's probably something you talk about, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um and, and the the reality that um like you're most of us are lost more than anything else. You know, like there is no purpose and direction or anything. We're just kind of lost. And then there's a bunch of other surface problems that arise because we're lost. Um and instead of finding purpose and direction, we just like slap band-aids on all the things that arise. And since I can't see them anymore, I can ignore them and, and you know, quote unquote deal with it. Yep. But nobody wants, who wants to live that way, man? Like, yeah, you're just like, put, really like, who
1: would ever want to live that way? Yeah. Yeah. I, what was? <laughs> I think I just heard a clip of maybe like Jordan Peterson talking about anxiety and that anxiety is like, The way he was describing it is like being lost. You know, if you, you know, maybe you're using a map, but you're not getting, it's not working. So you just stop. And what do you do? Like all of a sudden you have to look at everything around you and everything becomes important in order to try to figure out which way to go. But like you've basically, your only option is to just stop and prepare. But you don't actually know what you're preparing for. Or which direction you're trying to go. And so you're just stuck there constant, like in a constant heightened state of like, I've gotta get going, but you've got nowhere to go. <laughs> and you know, a lot of the people I work with, this is a big issue, is anxiety. And I mean, not just that, I uh, when I was on campus, we were I was in a class for like Christian counseling, and I think he said one in five people in the U.S. will, will experience anxiety, like, each year. Um, so, yeah, it's like everyone. <laughs> Tons of people are dealing with that feeling of, I, I'm, I'm ready to go somewhere, but I don't know where. <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm actually going. Um, Yeah, so that clarity comes in huge. Like, just sit down and with a notepad and write down, like, what do you want to do in life? (laughs) What, like I mentioned before, like your priorities, um, your values, and your identity. Write those down. Clear, like, get them as clear as you can. You can revise them over time because that's going to give you a lot more direction. And even if it doesn't tell you, like, oh, I'm going to be this occupation. It helps you make decisions so that when something comes up, say like, okay, here are my options. Which option best aligns with these values and priorities and my identity? And now you can actually move in a direction that you like versus just like wandering and hoping that, that you hit the bullseye.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, and and to kind of lean into that further and talk about the, the nutrition side of things, what role does, you know, nutrition and exercise and, and such, what role does that play in your overall health? Like, because obviously we're going through, you know, everybody, depression, anxiety, especially for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I had it. It was actually blocked on Instagram. It wouldn't let they wouldn't let me promote it, but it is up there on my page. I just put up. Uh, Uh, one a post that talked about all the struggles that college men go through and suicide is the second leading cause of death in in college-aged males like this is it's a pandemic of hopelessness and hopelessness Mm -hmm. right um so what role does my nutrition and my exercise and well i guess maybe a healthy lifestyle what i guess i'm answering the question now but what role does that play in your overall health
1: yeah i i cannot overstate it (laughs) Uh I mean study after study shows that the simplest things of you know getting outside in the sunshine, in nature, like even if you if you live in the middle of the city, going to a park with grass and trees, like all of these things in increase your your mental state. They improve your mental state. Um I mean they've even done studies on physical healing. That, you know, patients in a hospital who have a window that looks out on, you know, a little patch of nature tend to heal faster than patients who don't have a window or whose window looks out at a parking lot. And it's crazy, right? Like we are designed to be outside, to be in, in nature that God created for us. Like we, we, we function better. In the setting that God created for us. So as much as you can, <laughs> get outside, get in the sun. Like vitamin D is, that is a, that's a a pandemic in itself. Uh, lack of vitamin D um, and just getting out for a walk or a jog, anything. Being outside and moving your body makes such a huge difference. A friend of mine uh, he played sports all his life. In college, he got busy, so he stopped doing track. And not long after that, he could not focus. He couldn't control his thoughts. He he was like, "I am I'm going crazy. Like I think I'm actually going crazy. Like I need to, I don't know, like uh, admit myself." So he went and saw the college um, counselor and they're like you have ADHD and you've been self-medicating your whole life by playing sports and so they're like you just you need to be active either be active or take this medication <laughs> like that's how much of an impact just physical activity can have on your mind like either take the pharmaceutical medication or go for a run a couple times a week
0: Yeah, I the it's yes. <laughs> so I, I have ADHD or I uh I was diagnosed at the end of college with ADHD and that was definitely like that's definitely a piece of it for my for myself also. Like just if I can be Yeah. If I can't be active, you're gonna lose me. We used to I remember in uh college when we would um have like big well even still today at like teachers' conferences and, and big events like that, where you're going, you know, you're going to sit for six hours a day. Mm-hmm. Is usually somebody shows up with a football or a frisbee or something. And then uh, you get to lunch, you get to dinner time, you know, break time, whatever. There's a bunch of dudes go out in the parking lot and throw something around or, or whatever it might be just to stay sane, you know? Because otherwise you're useless. Yep. You're just useless. So it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that at all.
1: Yeah. Even, I mean, our three year old. When we're trying to say prayers at night, she our daughters share a bed because they love to share a bed. Uh, but she is always rolling around, kicking her sister, kicking the wall, like rolling on top of us all over the place.
0: And so finally I
1: was like, hey, Josie, do you want to stand up when we say prayers? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so she stands up and now she can move. She can wiggle around and I know that she's still paying attention more or less as much as a three-year-old does, (laughs) you know, and I can totally relate to that, to that feeling of like, if I'm going to learn this thing, I need to be moving, you know, like when it's when I'm stressed focused, (laughs) I need to like shift around in my chair and be bouncing my foot and like moving around. And I don't know, I mean, I feel like I absorb things better that way. And so when I saw her doing that, I'm like, okay, I think that her body and brain just need to get in sync here. You know, And it it doesn't stop with three-year-olds. It's all of us. We did the same thing uh, in college. I was in choir and band, and you have these long bus, bus trips on uh, tours, and we would keep uh, sidewalk chalk and a kickball, and when we'd stop, we'd hop out, draw a four square grid and everyone line up and start playing four square. (laughs) Yeah. Like you've got to be able to move your, your body and mind are intimately connected and the health of one is definitely dependent on the health of the other.
0: Yeah, I, uh, bef- especially during COVID, but even before that, um, I was in M- well, I was still teaching in Milwaukee. I used to always say my prayers while I was walking, because especially since I couldn't um, get a workout in until the end of the day, there was no way I was going to be, you know, like docile and in that chair or on that couch saying my prayers the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to focus on them that way. Like, there just wasn't any way it was going to happen during the day. So what I would usually do is instead of listening to music or whatever, just walk around the neighborhood and talk to Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that proved really, really helpful and healthy during um, COVID. Um, And I don't have to do that at the moment because I get to work out every morning and then I come home and I read my Bible and I say my prayers, but that's, that's, yeah, that's been a huge thing for me too, is the ability to like, I can't even focus on the most important things that I do if I can't do like get moving at some point. Mm Um, before i before i do them cool man very cool okay um what uh going leaning towards more on the entrepreneur entrepreneurial side and like you said you're super busy with all the you know between training to be a staff minister um the coaching being involved in church uh the way that you are balance has to be a big thing for you too like how do you um, balance the entrepreneurial stuff that you're doing, um, with family time and all those kinds of things.
1: That is definitely a challenge. Um, we are very blessed that my wife and I are both able to work from home. So we're able to work out our schedules (laughs) so, um, so that we can both be with, with the kids, um, because that is a high priority. Um, I mean, I've considered other things, you know, you could make more money doing X, Y, and Z. Um, but I, you know, I prioritize being with the family, um, very high up (laughs) and prioritize, you know, being at church and serving the way that I'm serving right now. Um, so, you know, that means that you know, these evenings are not an option, you know, like I'm going to be home for dinner at least this many nights, um, and for bedtime, you know? Um, so it, it really is again, like going back to the clarity of knowing what you're about, (laughs) what are your top priorities and, you know, putting in, you know, to use the analogy everyone's seen is like putting those big rocks in first and then filling in with, the smaller rocks in the sand afterward. Um, So designating what are your biggest rocks? Like I need to get uh, like be active. So most mornings I'll get up and go on a walk um, just around the neighborhood, be out in the sunshine and the fresh air first thing in the morning. Um, Like this morning, Josie, our three-year-old, she rode her bike with me. Uh, Sometimes both girls will come. We'll push the baby in the stroller. They'll each bring a stroller and (laughs) push babies. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like prioritizing that, like prioritizing being outside for at least a portion of the day, being active, whether it's a workout or, um, a walk, whatever it is, jumping on the trampoline with the kids. Um, and then filling in. So, um, you know, the church stuff is part time. So I know like on these days I spend this much time planning music, um, Well, right now with our building finishing up, I'm working on like, you know, what are the roles that we need to fill with a building that is different from when you're setting up and taking down every week. Um, Programs that we want to be able to start uh, to reach the community. Um, So yeah, like having that stuff in mind and then, you know, other work of whatever it is, (laughs) Uh, marketing and, you know, when are my coaching calls? When do those fit in during the week? Um all different things, so yeah, like I said, again, that clarity of you know what are the most important things? what are the big the big rocks that have to fit in your jar first and then filling in from there.
0: Do you do anything uh special with your wife, like as far as date nights or anything like
1: that? uh yeah. <laughs> so we're we're getting back into it. So we've had a a wild um, two months. Um, so we <laughs> let's see. Our anniversary in December, end of December. So we got it's called the Adventure Challenge for couples. So it's this book with a whole bunch of dates, but they're hidden. So they have a little thing. It says like how oh, you know whatever one dollar sign or three dollar signs or if it's at home or if it's during the day or at night or whatever it is if you need a babysitter so you can pick one that will fit for like that week or that month depending on what's going on and then you scratch it off so like a day or two before we're planning to go out do a scratch off and see what it is see if we have to get any (laughs) any materials um but yeah that. That's how we kind of plan our dates. We'll some of them are at home, some of them we go out. Um, yeah, and that's that's been a fun one for the last few months since having a baby. Uh, well, common was born, so then we weren't really going out, and then I was at MLC, <laughs> MLC right. for two weeks, uh, and then I got back, and we've had family in town ever since. So. <laughs> Yeah, right. that's been on a on right more or less. Well, but we did actually go out for a day date uh, just the other day. Went out to the lake nearby, went for a walk. Um, but yeah, I mean that's another, you know, priority. Like are you prioritizing your marriage, which is huge. I've seen, yeah. Unfortunately, way too many couples who prioritize parenting over their marriage. And then end up getting divorced and saying, well, we're better co-parents than we are spouses. That shouldn't happen. I <laughs> think you. you're better right? parents when you are better spouses.
0: For sure. For sure. Um, as far as just the logistics go, do you guys like pick a night or every week? Or do you, like, is it consistent? Or do you just kind of go as the schedule allows? Or?
1: Um yeah we we aim for at least like once a month um but yeah it, it can it ends up being more or less sporadic <laughs> depending on yeah you know, no of- I, you know. i'm just wondering
0: because everybody's life looks yeah. different you know so yeah I just interested to see okay um on this podcast obviously we're talking to Christian men so there's two questions we gotta ask everybody before they go first one, I know I didn't prep you on this one. Um, but I want your I want your just gut gut reaction here. If you could go back, you know, to your eighteen year old self or your pre college self maybe, and give them one piece of advice, just one, what would you tell them? Ooh.
1: Huh? I think I'd say you're qualified. Um, that's something someone said to me as I was kind of preparing as I was preparing to take over the like music coordinator position here. Like I said before, like I did not feel qualified at all. And then it took someone else pointing out like <laughs> you've, you played, <laughs> you played this music in your church for like six years. You have a degree in music and this is like, um, a big like pastor, musical pastor in the Wells, who he was like, you're more qualified for this than I am. And then I thought about it and I'm like, you know, you're right. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, in college and right after college, I was working at a company called Hal Leonard. It's a big music publisher. And of course, you know, growing up playing music my whole life, I played out of their books and all of our band music was hail leonard and i'm like wow this is like big time and then i get there and i realize like oh like i know just as much as all these people you know like the vps who oversee everything like they're just people too (laughs) and they're you know they're figuring it out along the way i'm like i'm just as qualified um you know and even on a deeper level like God qualifies the people he calls. And so I think that that, just that phrase of like, you're qualified. um, It helps you move, (laughs) helps you realize that like, you don't have to have everything perfect. Um, It's all there. You just need to work into it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, last question then. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Or what makes a Christian man?
1: Uh, I mean, you could look at, um, you know, like, uh, what is it? Titus and 1 Timothy, the, the lists of qualifications for elders and overseers. Um, I think those are a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> loving God, loving God's word. That's really where it starts. Um, I think the secular world would would point to maybe how you treat other people, um, but really that is a symptom of of the deeper core, which really needs to be focusing on God. Like, are you taking your um, your Bible study and prayer life seriously? Um, because if you aren't, odds are those priorities that you want to be priorities are going to start to slip, um, of, you know, praying with your family. Are you, are you the one who is making sure that your kids are learning, (laughs) are learning their Bible? You know, like right now, like I said before, we're in a post-Christian culture where the vast majority of the kids who are coming into our catechism classes are showing up with zero biblical literacy and that I mean that's the responsible the responsibility of fathers right and you know if you have men you know junior high high schoolers getting into college who um, who do not have that biblical foundation like you know, whenever we do baptisms in a Wells church, everyone there, <laughs> uh, you know, takes on responsibility for the spiritual well-being of those kids. And I would say that the men for sure need to be paying attention to those young men in their churches and make sure that that they have a route, um, you know, the resources to ask questions and to learn and to, um, to witness Christian men living Christian lives in front of them. So how can you do that? <laughs> That's I'd say that is uh, the life of a Christian man, right? Studying God's word and demonstrating, demonstrating God's word to the people around you.
0: I love it, man. I love it. And the truth is, for every man, it's going to look a little bit like there are some things um, that are laid out in Scripture. But frankly, like you said, besides those lists of, you know, what the moral obligation of the men um, in our churches and community communities are, beyond that, it's pretty much laid out for us then to walk our own path. Um, and, and there's tremendous freedom in that but then there's also tremendous risk um, because it's real easy to walk away from it. So I like that. I like that perspective a lot. Appreciate it, man. Really glad to have you. Where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, You can find me at Eric McGathy on Instagram or fit to thrive coaching on Instagram um, and Eric McGathy on Facebook.
0: Awesome. I'll make sure I put those links down below. You can find us at, oh boy, uh, you can find us on Instagram as GirdUp_BaMan. underscore B underscore A underscore man. Big fan of the underscores. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at uh, GerdUp Podcast. And then you can find us online at www.girdupministries.com. Again, Eric, thanks for coming on, man. Blessings on your ministry out there. Um Appreciate it, brother. It's been, yeah. <laughs> pleasure is the right word. It's been, it's been. I'm very happy to meet you, make your acquaintance, and uh, glad to share your voice with the world, brother. We'll All talk right, to you soon. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we will be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.